Way to finish the f- season. Yeah! That's the number one red zone defense in the NFL. Yeah. Good job, de- defense. Enjoy this victory. Hell of a finish. Four and one. Not easy to do. Round two, round two, round three. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary. Caught for the touchdown. A two-yard laser. Fumangali. From the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one. Lindsey is in. Janovich the fullback. Janovich hit. Nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig. He's not. They call a touchdown. They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end. No offense. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown. Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to a live episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, coming to you, simulcasting to you on YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, Drew Locke is now 4-1 and one as a starter. He tied John Elway for... The most wins is for a Broncos rookie quarterback in in team history. And the one thing I really liked about this particular game, Zach, I want to get your thoughts on it. Drew Locke proved that he can win ugly. Yep. Drew Locke is the truth, Chad. And I think he's proved beyond a shadow of a doubt now that he deserves to be the Broncos starting quarterback, the the understood quarterback for all of 2020. No competition, no storylines, no narratives. This is Drew Locke's team. We had to sweat that one out in typical Broncos fashion at the end, but with Drew Locke, um, taking off with his legs, making plays in in a, in a crowded, muddled pocket. He is growing up in front of our very eyes every single week, Chad. And I think it wasn't his most per, per, you know impressive performance by the stat line, but overall, like you said, winning in, advers- in adversity, that's what you look for in a franchise quarterback. It was just a wacky game, the way everything unfolded. And, you know, it was, to be honest with you, I didn't love Rich Scangarello today. Mm. I've, I've been kind of mediocre on, on Skang since... And in fact, I've, I've defended Skankarello on Twitter, on social media since Drew Locke took over because, and there was a good graphic on it today during the broadcast, because the offense has produced better. They've done better with Locke at the helm. Today, though, it felt like, to me, the Denver Broncos won this game. Drew Locke got that win in spite of Rich Skankarello, just some really bizarre play calling, yeah. some situational uh, calls that, to me, just left a lot – yeah, lacking, especially on third downs, just not not as efficient as you'd like to see. 
For every week we've uh, praised Skankarello lately, he went right back to his old self today, Chad. He was not following his gut. He was not uh, adjusting to the other team's uh, defense and scheme. He was coaching very conservatively and playing not to lose or coaching not to lose. And you saw that come out. It's almost why the Broncos coughed up uh, that advantage in the fourth quarter. That's the second to last series they had, it was a bootleg, and it was just an awful series, and the defense had to cement the win for them. So Skangarello will grow. He's far from a perfect coordinator, but that's what happens when you finally have a franchise-level quarterback. They can bail even the coaches out. They can bail even the play calling out. So that's what's so encouraging to me. That's a good point. It was cool to see Drew Locke duel it out with Derek Carr. Now, obviously, on a statistical level, Derek Carr's day was was significantly better than Drew Locke's. However, Drew Locke, man, when he would spin that ball, you could just see the arm strength. Yes. The broadcast did a good job touching on that, but he just looks the part, and the proof is in the pudding now. You got five games into his rookie campaign. He's 4-1 and one as a starter. And even that one loss, obviously the Broncos got dominated at Arrowhead, but because it was such a weird game in the snow, it, it I mean – it's hard to draw much of an evaluation on the on a rookie quarterback making only his third start there anyway. So the bottom line takeaway, though, is the Denver Broncos finished one game improved over their previous season under the previous regime. They'll finish 7-9, and nine, send the Oakland Raiders home um, mm. officially as losers, and uh, you know their, their playoff hopes were dashed before the final gun uh, in, the, in the game against the Broncos. But Oakland Raiders finished their – era in Oakland as losers at the hands of the Broncos. We're going to dive into it, get into all the deets, find out what's on your guys' mind. First, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a creative review on the show. If you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating. It's a great organic way to support the show. And it also enters you into our monthly giveaway, which will announce the winners for December next week, early next week. A hat, a shirt. That's, that's your chance to get on some swag. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. 
Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Each and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy new users, make sure you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. OVERTIME. Zach, let's, uh, first off, TG, appreciate you, brother. Jumping in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. He says, Drew Locke all the way. Zach, now again, not, not a, I don't know if I would call it a complete performance from Drew Locke because he didn't get a ton of help from his supporting cast. The Broncos defense, even though they held in the red zone until the very end, Ben don't break. They were giving up yards at will. It felt like, especially in that first half to the Raiders, but Drew Locke, Found a way. He got it done. Four and one. Broncos finished seven and nine. Have you seen enough to officially anoint this guy? For example, next week, Monday, probably, I think it'll be when John Elway sits down with Vic Fangio, which, by the way, there was the report over the weekend that the Broncos are very pleased with Vic Fangio. And after his first season as head coach, he's not going anywhere. For those of you who still doubted it or were concerned about it, Vic Fangio is sticking around. Will. John Elway, will Vic Fangio in that press conference, when asked about it, will they anoint him in terms of making him, getting out in front of it, the anointed, you know, to to use Flacco's verbiage against him, the understood quarterback in 2020? I don't know how you you can't at this point, Chad. What more does he have to do? Went on a four game, to, four and one record. They they ended the season on a winning record, on a winning streak. I mean, he he showed that he can be a franchise level quarterback. He doesn't have all the pieces around him yet, but they have a whole offseason. They have eighty million dollars in cap space, twelve draft picks now, fifteenth overall draft pick. They're locked into. They can build this team around Drew Locke and be back in the playoffs as soon as 2020. With Fangio at the controls and that defense still playing at a a pretty high level, he is the understood quarterback. He is the franchise quarterback. The Broncos have been desperate for this. They've been praying for this guy to come around. And now that he did, they cannot shun him away. They cannot ruin his confidence off the field. Go all in on Drew Locke and you will benefit from that. Locke finished 17 of 28. For 177 yards, the one touchdown, and a quarterback rating of 90.9. And if I'm not mistaken, that's his second highest rating of the season, the first being, of course, the Texans game. But that's a completion percentage of, let me let me do the math real quick, 60%. So he was he was solid today, and I thought Cortland Sutton played his uh, you-know-what off today in the cold. And and other than that, Deshaun Hamilton once again led the, the Broncos in receiving with 65 uh, yards on five catches, six targets. We'll get more into the supporting cast real quick. I want to say thank you to Stuart McPeak, thank who you. continues yes. to support the show and arguably our biggest our biggest super uh, star on Super Chat. So appreciate you, Stu. You are the man. Let me see what else I got here. The comments are coming in hot and heavy. Broncos country is feeling it tonight. Jason jumping in. He says, Locke is the future. It is the beginning of an era. I agree. It's the Drew Locke era, and the next step for the Denver Broncos is to not only get out in front of it. I think there's going to be there's a lot of power, Zach, in getting out in front of it and anointing him the guy going into 2020. It gives him a lift. It gives him confidence. It gives him that feeling that he's got the full faith and support of the organization. It'll also it would also mark Zach the first time really since 2015 when the Broncos went into an offseason with an understood quarterback, with no questions as to who was going to be the guy. You can rewind it each year. First, you had Team Paxson, Team Trevor, a couple years in a row. 
Then you had at this at, at the end of the 2017 season, you didn't know who the quarterback was going to be in 2018. They signed Case Keenum. The same can be said after last season. Was it going to be Keenum? Who oh, they end up trading for Joe Flacco, and then they draft Drew Locke. There's power in having clarity at the position. If Von Miller is out there every time he he speaks publicly saying Drew Locke is the future, Drew Locke is our guy. You gotta. It represents the the view of the locker room. I think right. pretty pretty uh, accurately. So if I'm John Elway and I'm Vic Fangio, I am not wasting any time. It's going to be the last time we're going to hear from either of those guys publicly until probably the combine in February. So get out in front of it, Zach, and anoint the kid. Give him some props. Give him his credit. You know what? You might be showing your hand with what you're going to end up doing with Joe Flacco, but what do you have to lose in that sense? You kind of took the words from my mouth because not only would it build Locke's confidence by anointing him the starter, it would send a positive, clear-cut message to the locker room, and that locker room was full of veterans like Von Miller who are so sick of the constant quarterback questions. They are so sick of the constant quarterback carousel every single season. You send that message, it shows unity, it shows cohesion, it shows the Broncos have a plan, and that's what something like Von Miller wants to see, a guy who's been in Denver through the highs and the lows. They, The entire locker room, the veterans, they are willing to put their bodies on the line they're willing to you know blood sweat and tears but for a good cause you finally have that good cause now and for John Elway he's been getting ripped to pieces through the media I mean every single year and rightfully so but now he finally seems to hit on a quarterback who is transforming this Broncos culture transforming the Broncos organization he cannot shy away from that so for his ego alone for his draft record he has to go all in on Drew Locke and it's also about his legacy at this point. He brought a world championship to Denver as a front office czar. And even if after 2021, when his current contract expires, John Elway says, you know what? You know, I'm going to go enjoy all my many millions of dollars and you know, wish, wish Broncos country the best. He will have set the Denver Broncos up for future success by getting Drew Locke into the building. And by the way, Big Daddy Kane jumps in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. He says, just got off work just in time to make the podcast. Appreciate you, Big Perfect. Daddy Kane. You are the man. That means a ton. AJ says, it's Gary Kubiak, an NFL head coach candidate, if healthy, also with the $2 donation. That's a Thank quick you. aside off topic, but I don't think he's a head coach candidate unless he wants to be a head coach right. candidate. I don't buy for, to be honest with you, Zach, I know he had that scare during the 2016 season. If you guys can remember, I think it was week <laughs> It's somewhere between week four and six where he had that those weird stroke symptoms again, and you had to have what was the special teams coordinator? D. Camillus, D. Camillus. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how he pronounced. Joe D. Camillus, yeah. Joe D. Camillus to uh, be the interim guy for a game, but the reason Gary Kubiak stepped down, even though the Broncos billed it and sold it as health, honestly, it was more about just him and John Elway no longer seeing eye to eye on assistance and. You know, Elway trying to strong arm him on Paxton Lynch and him liking Simeon and just the whole ball of wax. I don't think it was help to begin with. And so I think if Gary Kubiak, bottom line being Zach, if he wants to be a head coach again, he's going to find plenty of jobs out there and teams willing to pay him. Yeah, I agree with you. And I did actually see a recent report, I believe it was by NFL Network or one of the reporters that listed Kubiak among the potential candidates of this coaching cycle. He has done a really good job with that Minnesota offense, Chad and Kirk Cousins. They've, he's helped them become a playoff team. So you're right. If he wants to coach, he would have the offers. But when you're a coordinator, when you're an assistant, you don't have the day-to-day responsibilities, the day-to-day stressors that you would as a head coach. So that's where I'm leaning with Kubiak. 
One of our super chat superstars, Chris Hernandez, jumps in with a twenty-one dollar donation. It means a lot, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. Says, Why does it feel like every week the refs are calling a lopsided game against Denver? No calls for holds on Vaughn, for example. Look, Chris, I don't mean to be uh, you know co- contrary, but I honestly thought this was one of those games where the Broncos got away with a lot more than their opponent did. If you look at the total yardage, it's it's not even close. It kind of ended up evening out probably toward the end of the game with a couple of those calls on Yadam and Bowles. But honestly, in this particular case, I mean, you could you could probably say that five times a game that the teams get away with holding Von Miller. But in a general sense, that's true. But in the specific this game, I didn't really get that feeling, Zach, that the that the refs were in the tank. You know, for the Broncos or for the Raiders, I should say. Yeah, I'm not. First of all, I'm not one to blame the refs. I mean, you shouldn't need the the, the advantage of the referee to win a, a football game. But I thought they played it pretty fair. The referees in the beginning, the Raiders got away with a couple holding penalties, but on occasions they swallowed their whistles with the Broncos as well. And down the stretch, in crucial moments, except for the maybe the Garrett Bowles penalty, which is ticky tack, they got some fortuitous breaks. So I wouldn't blame the refs in this game of all games. Good to see you, Ryan. Appreciate you joining us, brother. Out of Greeley. Represent. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I kind of – my instant reaction when the flag fell on Bulls was, come on, dude. You finally – you again, you have that a great performance, a great body of work in a game, and you have the one face palm moment where you just – you negate almost the entire – you take two steps forward and one and a half steps back, however you (laughs) want to look at it, but – it was a ticky-tack call. Like that was, I think, again, and maybe this does speak a little bit to what Chris was saying in an inverted way. I think maybe the, the refs were trying to make up for a couple of the non-calls that the Raiders didn't get earlier on in the game, perhaps, or at least on a subconscious level. They're human beings after all. They're not robots out there uh, adjudicating the game. Well, here's the thing about Bowles. His reputation does precede him as well, Chad. He is known around the NFL to referees and to his fellow players as a guy who commits penalties, as a guy who doesn't have the best mental discipline. So any infraction, even minor, that he's going to show, he's going to get called on. He might not believe it, Bowles, that he has that reputation, but he certainly does around the NFL. And if he even goes anywhere near a player that he shouldn't go near illegally, he's going to get flagged. Brian jumping in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Thank Thank you, bro. He says, I do not want to have to watch Scangarello as our coordinator for the next season. He is so bad. I mean, the problem is he's just continuing to learn on the job, and you're just seeing that learning curve come out in the wash, unfortunately. However, as we've talked about before, I think especially since Drew Locke has been the quarterback, you've seen more good from Scangarello than bad. And certainly, you know, there's a lot that he can learn from, for example, ignoring Noah Fant for the vast majority of this game outside of one connection. And part of that's on Drew Locke for the reads he was making, but you got to find ways to get your explosive four or five tight end. Who's basically been a non-factor since the Texans game. And as far as the passing game is concerned, Fant has kind of disappeared. And I don't necessarily think it's on him, Zach. I think it's from a game planning perspective and from a priority perspective, Scangarello and it trickles down to Locke. They're not feeding in the ball. They're making a point to get Sutton, all the targets in the world, but they're not, getting after fan and that's just leaving possibility for points and big plays and yards. I mean, look what the Raiders were able to accomplish with Darren Waller today. When you have a dynamic tight end, you are cutting off your own nose to spite your face. If you ignore him in the passing game. 
Yeah, you know, the thing with Scangarello is you have to separate him as a play caller and as an instructor, as a teacher. And I think with Locke, you've seen monumental progress from the preseason. His footwork, his technique, his his pocket presence, the way he, he commands a huddle. Those were all foreign to him in the preseason, Chad. Those were all red flags. And Scangarello had that reputation of being a quarterback whisperer. At least he was in San Francisco. So I think he's done a really good job there. Also with Brandon Allen. As a play caller, he still leaves a lot to be desired, but that will come with experience. Going into next year with a stable offensive line, hopefully with a better supporting cast around Drew Locke, Scangarello will have more confidence in himself and his team. I think you'll see that come out in the uh, in the process. I do too. I really do. At this stage, I think you've kind of got to roll the dice and let Scangarello and Locke grow together. Yes. Edward jumps in with a $2 donation on Super Chat. appreciate you. He says, 4 and one for Locke. What do you guys think? I mean, again, Drew Locke is is exactly what this team has needed. It's been far from perfect for Locke, but he's a rookie quarterback, and he finishes this season seven. Let's see, touchdown interception ratio seven to three, and he's four and one. It's all good stuff. It's all good things to me. Again, from here on out, it's just a matter of the organization not only moving into the offseason, building the nest around Locke, but making it clear that Locke is the guy giving him that boost, that shot of confidence, the full faith and support of the organization. Zach, it can just, it can go a long way. And let me say, I mean, we've touched on a lot of lock points, but one more I want to make clear. This should be the last time Drew Locke is forced to play behind that replacement-level offensive line. With three starters down, you have Jake Rogers starting a tackle and Schlotman. He needs to have a revamp line in certain spots next year. It needs to be the number one point of emphasis in the offseason is doing everything they can to build up Drew Locke on the field and off the field. So hopefully yep. he's not running for his life in 2020. They need some line help. But once you get some line, some uh, another receiver, another tight end, you're going to have a pretty good offense in 2020. When Locke is given time to throw, he, he makes stuff happen. Yep. He makes good things. Exactly. He makes good things happen. The other cool thing though about Drew Locke is when the play breaks down, he's just as dangerous. So, but good still point. that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the reality that, you know, he's a, he's a quarterback and he's a human being. The more he's pressured, especially on the edges, you know, the, the harder it's going to be for him to develop and turn the corner the way the Broncos want him to. Hopefully, I mean, if you're looking at 2020, hopefully you have a, a healthy Juwan James. I'm guessing it's going to be Garrett Bowles at left tackle. But maybe you draft a tackle in the you know rounds one through three at some point to develop and have ready to go in case something happens to James or Bowles doesn't take another step forward. You get him a right guard. Ronald Leary, sorry, man, you've missed at least four games in each of your three seasons as a Bronco. Mm-hmm. Hit the bricks. And Connor McGovern, it'll be interesting to see. But you guys, as far as free agency, we have all the time in the world from, from now until March to talk about that. So let's keep our focus for now on this game and the implications therein. Joseph jumps in with a $10 donation on you, Super Chat. Thanks, Joe. He says, still amazed that we have the number one red zone defense, yet we give up so many big plays. Chris Harris has to accept $12 million a year or let him walk. Pay my dude Shelby and maybe look into signing the security guard. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, you know what? I was kind of on the fence about this this final quarter of the season, but I'm convinced now you got to pay Shelby Harris. Like if it comes down to it and you can budget enough money between Harris and Wolf, even though I think there's there's room for both. I, I think you got to prioritize the money told towards Shelby Harris. Even though Wolf had a great season before he got hurt, it's the age, it's the injury factor. And the bottom line with Shelby Harris is he's just simply a guy 
that finds a way to make game-impacting plays, whether it's in the first quarter, the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And today, of course, it came with the chips down on that two-point conversion attempt by the Raiders to to win the game. And by the way, I, I tip my cap to Gruden to, for having the, the cashews to just go for broke there. And uh, but Harris, I I agree with Joseph here. You got to pay Shelby Harris. I mean, I've been banging this drum for months and months now. He's my second biggest priority, Chad, behind Justin Simmons. I would not pay, maybe it's just me, I would not pay Chris Harris Jr. $12 billion a year. I mean, he's worth about what he's making now. 12 a year is way too much money. I put that money towards Simmons. I put that money towards Shelby Harris. If he wants to come back on a on a reduced deal, let's say, or a hometown discount, fine. If they have money left over for Derek Wolf, fine. But Justin Simmons is 1A and Shelby Harris is 1B. Those are young uh, core pieces of that defense that make that defense go under Vic Fangio. Both had breakout years under Vic. Both need to stick around in Denver. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tommy jumps in with a $5 donation on Thank Super you, Chat. Thanks, Tommy. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah, I mean, it's... He's he. It took some time. They initially had Harris playing out of position at nose tackle. If you guys think back to that first quarter of the season, but when they finally pulled their heads out, coaches and put him where he belongs, he's he's been a consistent impact player. Our friend Larry jumps in with a five dollar donation on Super Chat. He says, "How much does it cost to cut bowls?" I'm asking for a friend. Might start up a GoFundMe to help buy out his contract. Zach, talk about bowls, and while you do, I'll pull up. I'll go ahead and pull up his contract. I I don't see the Broncos cutting him as much as I am one of the biggest Bulls critics around, and I think he did play another you know subpar game today. I don't see the Broncos cutting him because they don't have anyone on the roster right now who could step in. Maybe if they develop a tackle or draft a tackle, trade for one, they could bench Bulls and phase him out of the offense. But I think I agree with Chad and what he's been saying the last couple of weeks. He will be on the Week One 2020 roster. The only question is of what capacity. Here's the thing. If you cut Garrett Bowles, you're going to eat $3.5 million in dead money. And according to over the cap, you're not going to save any cap either. So you might as well hold on to him. The the question at this point for me is, will the Broncos exercise that fifth-year option? And, you know, it's easy to think, oh, it's – it's easy for us to say, for example, that it's a no-brainer decision. The Broncos should not exercise that fifth year. But, the, you know, as a team, he's, he's their first-round pick, and he did show signs, significant signs from a technical perspective of improvement under Mike Munchak. He still has those lack of poise issues and occasionally the lack of discipline where it might be after the whistle or it might just be in his technique. Here and there, he'd get flagged for the penalty, but it's that one each and every game that continues. And this one was a dagger. 
you can argue that the one today cost the Broncos that th- that 57 yard field goal or whatever it was for McManus because if he doesn't get that and again it was ticky tack but nevertheless if he's playing more poised and he's playing smarter between the ears that ends up being 15 yards closer and McManus probably hits that field goal so I I see both sides of the argument at the end of the day though left tackles don't grow on trees I think Bowles sticks around and for sure he sticks around in 2020 the question is will they pick up his fifth year option Zach, I honestly think they're going to do it. That's just a bold prediction sitting here in, on uh, December 29th, 2019. I think the Broncos are going to pick up that fifth-year option and just because it's you know it's hard to, to come across viable left tackle options, and I think they're going to look in the draft for, for some depth. Yeah, I think the only way they don't pick up that option is if they trade for or sign a tackle in free agency before they have to pick up that option. But if they wait until the draft, that would say to me they're going to look for depth, look for a guy to build around and go into 2020 with Bowles as a tackle. I will say this. It's a little tempting. What you're not saving on the cap, you're saving in team morale, Chad. You're saving in penalty yards on the field. You're saving in potential points that you're taking off the board because Bowles committed a penalty. So it's tempting from that vantage point. But uh, from a personnel standpoint, they don't have anyone right now that can replace him and until that changes he's on the roster tg jumps back in with a ten dollar donation on Thank super you, chat appreciate you bro he Big says Bulls I guy. Know a lot of people like fangio but he needs to go and get a young creative offensive-minded coach he's not going anywhere the question at this point tg i don't know if you missed the report that came out over the weekend i believe it was james palmer of nfl network uh, said that uh, the broncos brass are very pleased with vic fangio's first year and he's not going anywhere. He survives seven and nine. It's a it's a full game uh, improvement over last year's finish. And he did so with three different quarterbacks. And he did so with five of those games being started by a rookie and another three of those games being started by a quarterback who had never started a game in the NFL. You got to remember that going into that week nine matchup with the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos had the least experienced quarterback room in NFL history that deep into the season in it week nine so in this case zach i disagree with our friend tg that that fangio deserves to be fired i think fangio did way more good especially with the tools that were available to him this year than bad he definitely there were some some bumps along the way and things that you expect a first-time head coach even a many decade veteran coordinator and fangio still when you're the man and you got to handle all the problems of the team and you got to weather the curve of call and plays from the sideline suddenly, and you got to manage every aspect of the game. You expect there to be some some face Paul moments of his own, and there there were certainly a few this year. But again, to to finish seven and nine with three different quarterbacks, and especially you got to remember the Broncos started zero and four, and I think it was the final uh, the the final twelve games they went seven and five. So it's a lot more good than bad, I think, Zach. I'm going to just assume TG had an erroneous comma there. I think he said needs to go and get a young offensive coordinator, not, you know, not he needs to go. Vic Fangio needs to be Maybe fired. So. I'm, so. I'm going to assume that. But let me just say it's impressive. Seven and nine, despite three different starting quarterbacks, a first time head coach, a first time offensive coordinator, zero contribution from your right tackle, Juwan James, zero contribution from Bryce Callahan. You lose Bradley Chubb. You have the second toughest strength of schedule and countless injuries. How could you look at this Broncos team, which is an improvement on Vance Joseph's? record in both years and not come away impressed by Vic Fangio, what he's been dealt, and the chicken salad he's made from the chicken you-know-what in 2019. Edward says, you know, do you think we need to re-sign Shelby Harris? We, we're both on that train now. Zach's been been saying it for basically the whole season. 
I'm officially on that train now. He's just an, he's an impact player, and they're not easy to come by. He knows he's now a veteran in Vic Fangio's scheme, and if it comes down to um, him or Derek Wolf, I'm going ahead and I'm paying Shelby Harris over the Wolf man. Yep. And the, the comment stream is coming so fast. I'm having a hard time. Let's see what Stu says. Jumps back in with a $25 donation on Super the Chat. Man. Thank, Thank you, you the man, dude. He says, what's the plan for having these during the playoffs and the offseason? Thanks for all the great work. Oh, we're not we're not going anywhere, dude. I mean, the biggest thing is going to be scheduling-wise, what days, because, you know, we've, we've been going with the gut reaction Sundays immediately following a game unless it's Monday or Thursday, but mostly it's, of course, Sunday. We're probably going to just keep it the way it is. We'll go Sunday evenings, yep. Monday evenings. We'll be off Tuesdays. We'll come back Wednesday, Thursday. And then we're also going to pepper in throughout this offseason some additional opportunities to engage with you guys, whether it's breaking down, you know, film, doing mock drafts on YouTube where we can, you guys can see like prospects as we're breaking them down. Zach and I talking about them, seeing what you guys think. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it's not going anywhere. The season's over and it sucks. And it went by in a whirlwind. And even though the Broncos didn't make the playoffs, football for the Denver Broncos 2019 it's officially over but the huddle up podcast mile high huddle we're going to continue to crank out content and cover your team because now Zach we enter what I think is the funnest part on the NFL calendar which is at least from a covering it as media perspective which is the team building aspect what are the Broncos going to do in free agency what are they going to do in the draft who are they talking to who are they scouting it's going to be fun yeah, I mean, just because the season's over, there's actually more to talk about in the offseason, starting with the Senior Bowl in January, the Combine in February, free agency in March, the draft in April. It just does not end. The NFL is a year-round cycle. And these pods, we're going to stay on the same schedule, but we're going to have more stuff coming, not less. We're going to have fan engagement. We have special episodes coming. 2020, we're taking this pod to a new level, and we hope to see you guys there. It's going to be very fun. I mean, this pod has grown by leaps and bounds in the calendar year of 2019. We decided to take the show daily, January 1st of 2019. And then we've really started to hit YouTube a lot harder once the actual football season started. And I mean, it's it's grown exponentially. And so we are, you know, the, the more of an audience that we have and the, the bigger the community grows, the more motivated Zach and I are to just bring you the best possible content on and you know we're going to keep the the quality level high and and be prolific while we're at it. Now let's see what we got here. We got a question from Edward. He wants to know jumps back in with a $2 donation. Thanks Thank Ed. He says are there any free agent DBs the Broncos should go after? There's one guy that comes to the top of the list if you want to remove Chris Harris Jr. from consideration. You got Jimmy Smith, but he's a 32-year-old corner. You got Byron Jones. Byron Jones to me is probably the top option. However, he doesn't have a lot of ball production. He doesn't have a lot of interceptions. So you, you wonder, well, is that just because quarterbacks go away from him? Or or is it just because he struggles to, you know, he just doesn't have ball skills. He's not a ball hawk. I'm more inclined to think it's that. It's the it's the latter than it is the former. I mean, Champ Bailey, all those years opposing quarterbacks for the most part. They stayed away from Champ Bailey, but he still found a way to produce a lot of interceptions year in and year out. That's the only concern I have with with Byron Jones is whither the interceptions. Where are they? 
Right. I mean, he can play safety in corner, too, so he's pretty versatile. But I'm right there with you. He's going to get a huge contract somewhere. I don't think the Broncos will invest those dollars in the cornerback uh, market. I think they're going to go to the draft, I think, fairly early and rebuild that secondary there. They'll invest in uh, Justin Simmons, hopefully. They have Bryce Callahan coming back, hopefully healthy for 2020. They have Bosby coming back. They have some nice pieces there, and I think they'll supplement that in the draft uh, rather than blow a lot of money on veterans on the open market. Spot track lists Chris Harris Jr. as the number one free agent corner, followed by Jimmy Smith of the Baltimore Ravens, followed by Logan Ryan, who played this year, of course, with Tennessee. Ryan had four interceptions this year, by the way, leading all free agent corners. Then you got Bradley Roby. He's going to be a free agent again. I doubt the Broncos even consider that. Akib Tlaib at age 34 will be a free agent. Ronald Darby, though, of the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be a free agent. He had two interceptions this year. He only appeared in 11 out of 16 games, but I like Ronald Darby as a possible low-key option. Brandon Carr in Baltimore, but he's 34. You start getting into some aged corners, including Tremont Williams and Jonathan Joseph. One guy to keep an eye on low-key is Darquez Denard, uh, the former first-round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, who is entering a free agent period there. Jason Verrett, but he's you know, he's injury prone, Eric Rowe. There are some options there, but Chris Harris Jr. is honestly, you know, as far as spot track is concerned, the number one guy. It'll be interesting to see how much of a priority the Broncos make that. And again, Zach, the Broncos, I think there's a way for them, especially once you cut Joe Flacco. There's a way to get Chris Harris, Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, all three of those guys, including Justin Simmons, so four guys. You can get all four of those guys signed and oh, yeah. still, I think, have room for a couple of outside free agents right. that, you know, bolster the old line or however you want to attack it. Especially if someone like Wolf takes a, a little bit of a hometown discount. I don't think Chris Harris Jr. will, but the Broncos certainly, they can restructure some contracts. They're going to get, get Flacco's money off the books. They can afford all these players, but one outside guy I will uh, throw out there, he's also from Dallas, who will cost a lot less than Byron Jones, is Anthony Brown. Good slot cornerback, um, very versatile, can play man or zone. If they want to save some money and go to the clearance rack, he'd be a good candidate to come to Denver. Good point. Our friend Ariel jumps in with a $10 donation. Thank you, Ariel. Super Chat, thank you. First of all, I would like to thank Chad and Zach for putting all this work in for all of us Broncos fans. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. We have our QB1 in lock. Now the question is, have we found a wide receiver two in Deshaun Hamilton? And that mm-hmm. is an actually an interesting question because Hamilton, I think, was one of about a half a dozen players that saw significant time today who his performance could influence or affect what the team does with him down the road or what his destiny might be in the very near future with the Denver Broncos. He has come alive in this final quarter of the season, especially these last two or three games playing with Drew Locke. Again, he led the team six reception, or five receptions on six targets, 65 yards. So he, he led in both receptions and yards today, and he's been making tough catches. I don't know what it is, Zach. He's looked a little bit more explosive these final Mm -hmm. few games. And so I think the Broncos, to answer the question of Ariel there, I'm not sure that he's cut out to be wide receiver two. But I think he's definitely your wide receiver three going into 2020. I like him more than Tim Patrick. It's not just because the Broncos invested a draft pick, fourth rounder in Deshaun Hamilton. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think his upside is that of a really, really good wide receiver three. I don't see a wide receiver two in Deshaun Hamilton, though he has come to life. He has gotten a big shot on the arm with Drew Locke's insertion. So you love to see the chemistry building there. It's tangible. They still need a bona fide uh, top burner to take, you know, to keep defenses honest, run really fast down the field, and catch those bombs from Locke. They still need a, a veritable number two. They don't have him on the roster yet. Could be a Randall Cobb. Could be someone in the draft. I don't think Patrick or Hamilton are those guys, but they're good guys to have as three, four to round out the depth chart. Man, this comment stream is moving so fast. I don't want to miss any of our our super chat. Bear with me one sec, guys. This thing is just cruising fast. Well, Richard jumps in. What is that? A euro? Two dollar twenty nine cent donation Thank you, Richard. for two two point two nine euros. Thanks, Richard. In uh, Germany, if I'm not mistaken, right, Richard? He says, great last game. Great work, for uh, great work, guys, Broncos 2020. Appreciate you, brother. Really do. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Richard, right, Germany? Tell me in the comments because you said you're you're started a group and you're getting everyone there in Germany listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Broncos country is a state of being. It's not a specific locale. It is a state of being. Let me jump here to Heath. Heath Kell jumps in. $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You. Thank you, Heath. Awesome uh, thumbnail image, too, for your profile. He says, I think if we would have started Locke a couple of weeks earlier, we would have made the playoffs. It's possible. Listen, people I know that are in that locker room every single day tell me that there are a lot of misgivings among the players that the Broncos took too long to get Locke on the field and that there's the question of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like, would the Broncos have – relinquished a 20-point lead in Minnesota if that's Drew Locke? Probably not. You get one more win, you're 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe you find your way into the playoffs. I don't know, but the Broncos, that's the thing. is It's it's a tough topic, Zach, because I tend to agree with Fangio that that 10-week exile, or at least let's just say the time he spent on IR, ended up being a blessing in disguise for Drew Locke. However, what would it have hurt in terms of taking away from that blessing in disguise if you make him available as early as week nine, which is when they could have, he could have started week nine. If they would have kind of had their ducks in a row and their, you know what together, he could have started week nine. That's Cleveland. That's an, that's a win. Brandon Allen. That was his one and only win on the slate of games. He started the next week was the bye. Or no. Yeah. The bye. And then it was Minnesota, a loss that they squandered a 20 point lead. Maybe Drew Locke wins that game. I honestly think that would have been a, a 50-50 chance for Locke. It's a tough team. Minnesota was good. But the Broncos had him with Brandon Allen. The next week in Buffalo, that would have been a tough test, Zach, but maybe you win that one. I understand the sentiment, but the bottom line is you don't want to look that gift horse in the mouth. You you found your guy, and you go into 2020, and you build that nest, and you are thankful and grateful that you finally found a franchise-caliber guy. Just imagine the Broncos never wasted eight starts on Joe Flacco. What could have been this year, I will take it one step further, Chad. I believe, I firmly believe the Broncos would have been in the playoff hunt. Maybe not in the playoff picture, maybe not, you know, clinching a playoff berth with Brandon Allen starting those games instead of Flacco. That's mm-hmm. how bad Joe was for this offense. He was hurting them by being on the field. That's why you saw the instant resurgence under Brandon Allen. That's why you're seeing the winning streak under Drew Locke. So, yes, if Locke would have been healthy, if the, if the tables would have been turned differently, they would have been in the playoff picture right up there with the Steelers, right up there with the Tennessee Titans. You never mm-hmm. really know what could happen. But that's why next year I expect, not hope, 
the Broncos should be a playoff team under Drew Locke. And by the way, by rule, once the Broncos made the fateful decision to place Locke on IR, he could not play again until the soonest was week nine. The soonest he could begin practicing was week seven. The Broncos waited till week 13 to, to start him and week 11 to even begin practicing him. So mm-hmm. if they would have just bit the bullet and got out in front, there's a chance he could have he could have brought home at least one more win, I think, for this team. They could have gone in eight and eight. And maybe that's, you know, I don't know exactly how the records finished out for Tennessee, um, but maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough. Carla jumps in with a $10 donation, says the end of this season feels much different than last year. The future feels brighter. Absolutely. And that's something that you got to hold on to. And thank you so much, by the way, Carla. That's something you got to hold on to is, you know, the last, this is the fourth year in a row when this, where the season kind of ends in disappointment in terms of, the Broncos are on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs, but this is the first time since the Super Bowl where you go into an offseason feeling like the future is brighter and you have an answer at quarterback. So much uncertainty has clouded that position, and this is a got-man league. In the NFL, if you do not have your quarterback, right. all the Von Millers in the world cannot get you over the hump. You need that guy, and the Broncos seem to have found theirs. Well, let's compare it to last year when they ended the season with Case Keenum. They lost Paxton Lynch. They lost Chad Kelly. They had no young quarterbacks really on the roster, no long-term plan, no long-term hope, and that's what Locke has provided. It's a clear path to being back on the NFL map. That's the difference between ending the year with a Keenum, who is an old, washed quarterback who was overpaid by Denver, than a young, up-and-coming rookie whose ceiling is still yet to come in Drew Locke. So it does feel different because it is different. You're going to see as soon as next year, the Broncos will We'll be back in NFL relevancy. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Our friend Trick Lessons jumps in with a $20 donation. Thank you. Supporting the cause on Super Chat. Thank you so much, brother. Really do appreciate it. It means a ton. Brian jumps back in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Says, any idea of the best player on draft boards at 15? Still hope we get a decent DB. Um. That's something that we're going to be exploring a lot more in detail with our draft guys now that we're going to be entering the offseason. At 15, I still think, from what I've heard talking to Eric Trickle, who's our lead NFL draft analyst at milehighhuddle.com, you know, he's got little birdies when it comes to the draft community all throughout the nation. It sounds like Georgia's Andrew Thomas is going to take a little bit of a tumble in the first round. I will be. I won't be surprised. Let me put it that way. If Thomas is on the board at pick fifteen, if he's there for the Broncos, I don't think it's. I think it might be out of reach for Okuda in Ohio State, but there are going to be some options there: corners, um, tackles, wide receivers. There will be some options there, especially depending on how the board falls early with the quarterback needy teams. Yeah, it's to me, it's it's way too soon to start talking draft because so many things can happen. But don't rule out the Broncos moving up in the first round if they like a prospect. They have enough capital in the draft, 12 picks. I think, what, three third-round draft picks this year, Chad? So they have the ammo with which to move up if they want to do it. Elway's always aggressive. They might not stay in 15 for long when all is said and done. All right, guys, we got time for a few more, and then we got to wish you a good evening. Edward wants to know, jumps back in with a $2 donation. Thank what's you. what's your takeaway from today's win? My biggest takeaway, Zach, honestly, is that and it's, it's at the individual player level and the team level, Drew Locke can win ugly. And that is a good quality to have as a quarterback. You're not always going to go in, out on the field and put up 38 points like the, they did 
against the Texans, you're not always going to crack 20 even. Sometimes games are going to be hard fought. There was a lot on the line for the Raiders today for three and a half quarters. As far as they knew, they were fighting for the uh, for their playoff hopes. And so the Broncos still found a way to get it done with Drew Locke. And to me, that is a credit to Fangio's grit, his toughness. I mean, Ben don't break. They gave up a ton of yards. In fact, if you want to know the exact comparison, let me throw this, this at you real quick. The Raiders had 477 total yards, but they didn't score a touchdown until under the final minute to go. Meanwhile, the Broncos had 238 total yards. The Raiders' defense played scrappy, tough-nosed football today, and yet the Broncos still found a way to win. That's a credit to Locke. That's a credit to Fangio. And you even have to tip your cap to Rich Scangarello, although I think he's, of, of all the factors, the guys who influence this game, he probably does, deserves the least amount of credit. I mean, yeah, I mean, the evaluation is all about Drew Locke. He's the most important puzzle piece in, in, in Denver's system right now. But he won today. The Broncos won a hard-fought divisional game with the Raiders had everything to play for as well. Let's not discount that either. They had all the motivation in the world. But Locke overcame a very shoddy offensive line. I think it was very shoddy play calling. He lost Cortland Sutton to a head injury, concussion, whatever. He had everything almost go against him, and he made – a victory out of it. He pulled it out of his, you know what? And he did it with progressing as a passer, as a pure leader of the team in the pocket. He made plays with his arm, with his legs. He showed um, to go through his reads. He's becoming a full all-around quarterback, not just a guy that has a big arm that had a good college career. That's what we're seeing with Locke, and that's why it's so encouraging for next year and beyond. Jason, I'm not sure if you're tongue-in-cheek on this because all of Skank's plays today – with the exception of, unless you want to call that goal line touchdown, the one-yard pass to Andrew Beck, which congratulations to Beck for his first career touchdown. Unless you want to consider that a trick play, which it wasn't. It was a read option, play action throw. His tricks didn't work today. So I don't know if you're being tongue-in-cheek on that, my brother, but I'm not sure Skangs deserves any credit for trick play calling today, Zach. He's got to be sarcastic here because I thought he was very vanilla, Scangarello. In fact, I, Gruden was opening up the playbook. He had, you know, he was get, he's laying it all out there, the full kitchen sink. And I think Scangarello was reading from the few same pages as he usually does. He was very conservative. He wasn't following his instinct. You saw the rookie coordinator come out today. So he needs a lot of work in that department. Be more aggressive. Play to win the game, not not to lose. And stop ignoring Noah Fant in your game plan. Yeah. Pull your get get into your rookie quarterback's helmet if you have to and say, Hey, Drew, we got to start looking at Noah Fant because he is a four or five freaking animal with the ball in his hand. I mean, the plays that kid has made, he had a historic rookie campaign for a tight end, came just short of breaking the franchise record for a rookie tight end in touchdowns. Everything else, though, he owns now. So, Skanks, you know, he giveth, he taketh away. It's about what you expect to see from a first time play caller. I'm interested to see how he can grow, though, with Drew Locke. <clears throat> Another uh, one of our German listeners jumps in. Asthma spray, the two-euro donation. Another German Denver fan thank said, you. thank you, appreciate you. Brian jumps in, $10 on Super Chat. He says, I just wonder how good Drew Locke could be with a competent offensive coordinator. Everyone is way more optimistic than I am. I'm concerned, to be honest. I get that. I feel you, Brian, honestly. I really do. I just think at this stage – for the sake of continuity, the Broncos yeah. have had so much upheaval at the coaching level. And one of the crucial aspects for a young quarterback is coaching and system continuity. If you really want to maximize that that year, that leap between year one and year two that Locke could take, you need to have continuity. So unless Skangs was 
straight up, like just in dereliction of duty, you want to hold on and keep him around for one more year. You want to see what he can do one more year with Drew Locke because that continuity, it means a lot, especially for the development of a young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the primary reason, the only reason he should be brought back, I mean, the biggest reason is Drew Locke. It's about the young quarterback's development. But to piggyback on your point, Chad, with Noah Fant, his situational play calling Scangarello leaves a lot to be desired. He ran Philip Lindsay inside way too often this year while running Royce Freeman outside. He has to know a better, uh, he has to know his personnel better and do a better job with situational play calling. So once he gets that down, now that he has his quarterback, I think he'll be all right in year two. And yes, Joseph, with a $2 donation, cheers to Philip Lindsay and cheers to you as well, my friend, for Thanks, supporting Joseph. the show. I mean, that it was kind of dicey at the end there, Zach, where he came. He broke a thousand and almost lost it. Almost lost it, but he ended up finishing uh, well over a thousand. When I say well, you know, he's like 1,009 or something like that in terms of the season. So, yeah, congrats to to Lindsay. I almost, to be honest with you, it's been a long time since I've, you know, as, as a fan where I was like, you know, living and dying on whether or not the Broncos won. Today, I was actually more, I don't know, motivated. By Lindsey getting his thousand than I was the Broncos getting a W. It, as weird as that sounds, because they're not making the playoffs, and Lindsey really is the heart and soul of that offense. The team, to be honest with you, he and Von Miller are probably the the two most out in front leaders, and and Lin, and we know that Miller's more of a lead by example guy. Lindsey's a lead in every which way possible guy. He's he's an outspoken guy. He's a he's a uh, he's a teaching guy. He takes guys under his wing, even though he's only in his second year, and then he goes out on the field. And he's just a constant shot of energy and confidence. And just it's a powerful thing that he brings to the table. So I was I was glad to see Zach. He got over the hump. Yeah, and I think we can all give another thank you to Mama Lindsay for, you know, coercing her son into and guilting her son into staying home literally and figuratively and signing with the Broncos. It was a franchise altering move because he had other offers on the table, Lindsay. So it, it's to, to pick him up and to be that hometown, homegrown product. It's been phenomenal to watch. And I think we're only seeing uh, the surface of his ceiling being scratched right now. Joshua, with very few exceptions when it comes to receivers, uh, tight ends, when it comes to running backs, the position coaches decide who rotates in and out, how that's done, how it's the touches and the snaps are divvied up in-game, unless they're tapped on the shoulder by a head coach or a coordinator and said, this is exactly what I want you to do. So if, you want, if you're wondering why they put Royce Freeman in on third and six and he was stuffed for a one-yard loss – if you're wondering why they gave him two carries, one of which he fumbled, it probably has more to do with Curtis Modkin's decision-making, Zach, than it did Scangarello. Yeah, and I think, though, as the coordinator, he's pretty much the boss of his assistants. That's another area where management he will grow with uh, with doing, just by being around those guys for another year, and that's also why continuity is important. He's a young person, and he's a young person in the NFL, Scangarello. He's a, he's a pup. So he has a lot to learn still, and that will come. Managerial, play calling, uh, teaching, he will get better as time goes on, but you have to give him at least one more year to see if he can really maximize what the Broncos thought they were getting. Our friend Trick Lesson says, should Lindsey hold out for more money? He's 26, and he's got back-to-back 1,000 rushing seasons. And by the way, he's just the fourth running back in Broncos history to post back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. And then, of course, he became the first undrafted player to post that back-to-back thousand-yard rushing seasons to start their career ever. So, yeah, does he deserve to make more money? Yes, absolutely. Will he or should he hold out? I don't think so. I think he just keeps doing what he does, and the money's going to come for him. 
it will be interesting to see Zach when that time comes, how the Broncos or whether they do recognize him. Elway has shown that he's not opposed to paying a running back if the stars are aligned. He did so with CJ Anderson. So I think I think they'll be in that he is the Colorado kid. And I think his legend, as you said, Zach, it's only going to continue to grow in Denver when that time comes. He's going to get paid, and I think he'll get paid by the Broncos. I mean, could he hold out and leverage the Broncos with these seasons? Yes. Will he? Absolutely not. It's not the type of person that he is and the type of professional type of player that he is. I'd be surprised if he even juiced the Broncos for all that he's worth. I'm expecting him to give him some sort of discount for taking a chance and kind of repaying the favor. So he will not hold out, but he will get his due. I would hope Elway will take care of him sooner than later. All right, guys, last one, and then we got to get out of here from Damien. Jumps in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you a ton, Damien. He says, can't thank you guys enough. Can we get the O-line in order and trade for Trent Williams? Well, that's a good question because, once again, when when the new league year opens up, Trent Williams could be made available for trade unless he's a free. No, I don't think he is a free agent, right? So the Broncos, I think, though, again, they're going to they're gonna roll into 2020 with Garrett Bowles as their penciled-in starter. I'll be stunned if that changes between now and March. Although, at a certain point, you have to wonder when enough's enough for them. When is the lack of poise and the face-palming going to stack up and you, you have that straw that finally breaks the camel's back? I will say, though, a healthy, motivated Trent Williams is is a, such a superior upgrade on Garrett Bowles. So I would actually like that move, even though it wouldn't happen. Another advantage to that is having Williams is he knows Brandon Scherf, who's a free agent guard. So there'd be some chemistry there. Maybe he can talk him into signing with the Broncos. But it's all the pipe dream. Like Chad said, I think Bowles is the left tackle for 2020. All right, guys, listen, we have to part ways at this point. We've been on with you for pushing an hour here, but we got to get some post-game content cranked out at milehighhuddle.com. So stay tuned for that. Go check out all the written stuff that we're going to be putting up tonight, covering the game, covering what everyone said after the game, videos, and written content. And then we will be back. This is not the last podcast of 2019 for Zach and I. We'll be back again tomorrow night. However, we usually go at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're right close there. Tomorrow we might be a little bit later because I have a dentist appointment. I got to get a tooth taken care of in uh, t- it's going to be late afternoon and you never know how long those things can take. So there is a chance we'll be a little bit later tomorrow and we'll keep you apprised on Twitter. So make sure you are, Hey, what a, what a organic way to plug it. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod, but still kind of pencil in the same time as usual, but just keep in mind, there is a chance that we might be slightly delayed and I might be talking to you looking like a, you know, I had a stroke or something if I'm my, half my face is numb. But Zach, dude, a great, great win for the Denver Broncos. Nothing but positive implications going into 2020. I think fans should be excited. Very much so. And a great season for the Huddle Up Pod, our second year in a row now, Chad. I think we're building something great here. And, and both of us, I can speak for you, we're so excited to take this product into 2020. And guys, we appreciate every Super Chat comment, donation, every you know pod you've listened to. We appreciate every support along the way. Just wait until next year. But enjoy this victory and know the Broncos are in different hands now. This is a new culture and something true is building here. Next year will be special for Denver. Hang in there. And big thanks to our Super Chat superstars today, TG, Chris, Stu, all you guys, Brian. It means the world to to Zach and I, and we've got some really fun things coming for you in 2020. So, And also we're going to be unveiling a merch store for Huddle Up Podcast and Mile High Huddle merch that's coming in the first week of 2020. Well, 
not the uh, not next week, but the week after. We plan to have something ready for you guys. So stay tuned for that. But guys, make sure you're following my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And enjoy today's win. It's the last time you're going to have your Denver Broncos playing an actual football game until oh. August, September, in terms of games that count. So savor this win. Enjoy the the post game coverage and, and focus on your team. And uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow night, probably about the same time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just be prepared. It might be a little bit late. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.